Hi, I'm Dr. Akiva Down. And I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And welcome to Interesting Questions. In this podcast, we'll be addressing issues that are philosophical, religious, and psychological in nature, and exploring some of the deeper questions as we go into Season 2. We will be focusing on that which is considered to be controversial, and there may not be a right or wrong answer. So we are hoping that our discussions will yield more questions for your Shabbos table. Welcome back. We are up to Mishnah 9. Shimon ben Shetach Omer, Shimon ben Shetach would say, Hevei marben lechakor et ha'edim. Be extensive in interrogating the witnesses. And be careful with your words. Because perhaps from those words, they will learn to lie. So Akiva, this is talking about when you are a judge and you are interrogating witnesses, you don't want to give too much away for fear that they will learn what it is that you are trying to investigate and and they will learn too much and they will lie about what they about what they know Um, but I'd like to take this a slightly different direction and ask when is it okay to lie so talk to us a little bit about lying pathology what else might be included in some of this so I want to be clear that when when I think about lying, I think about a variety of different aspects. Uh, and as usual, I, I'd like to notice that this is another three-parter, right? This is uh, be extensive in getting information from people and be careful with your words and make sure that you don't teach them how to lie. And I think if we look at it in that way, we kind of get the answer right there, right? So we understand that there are times where perhaps the whole story doesn't need to be told. You know, when you're, when you're telling someone, for example, let's say, let's say it's a loved one and they ask you how they look in their new clothing. Should you tell them that they look nice if they don't look nice? Well, I mean, that's not the truth. And if the loved one is going to tell them, there's a kind and loving way to say something where you're not hurting their feelings, and certainly you're not leaving it up to somebody who is not a loved one to say, wow, you look like blah, 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 blah. That's not setting them up for something nice. So I think in in a way, you know, but again, you may tell them, you know, I don't notice that this is so flattering on you. You don't have to say if they look, I don't know, should we go with if they look like an orange? Don't tell them they look like an orange. I'm just picking a random thing. But again, you can say, I don't think this is a very flattering uh, piece of clothing. That may be, in some ways, is it a lie? Well, it depends on what we define a lie as. If we define a lie as anything that is not the whole truth and nothing but the truth, then okay, then that's a lie. It's a, it's a, you know, words with omissions of the entirety. But is that really a lie? 
I don't know. Is it a lie, on the other hand, to say, well, so-and-so did this, and they did not do that? Yeah, that's a lie. I think we can all agree that that is a lie, unless there's an issue with perspective. And then, of course, we're talking like Star Wars, where, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't tell Luke Skywalker that Darth Vader kill uh, was his father. By the way, I should probably say spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen the Star Wars movies from uh, over 30 years ago. I apologize if I just ruined it for you. Um, but I don't think I would be the first one at this point, and there's been plenty of time to get there. So, again, right, there's that whole statement of, well, truth is based off of perspective. To a degree, truth is based off of perspective. At the same time, facts are facts. So if we spin those facts, then we are telling lies. And again, unless it's a situation where information should not be shared, then it's appropriate to tell the truth. You know, if I, if I am, have a question for, with a colleague about a patient, I'm not going to give them the identifying information. That's a breach of HIPAA. I am not lying. I am not, however, giving them all of the information because this is inappropriate. So I think that's an important piece to consider. Um, but Avi, I'd like to toss this back in your direction. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what is... We, we have this saying, you know, that we shouldn't have them learn how to lie, but... What does the Torah say about it? Because certainly we hear instances in the Torah where not all the information is given all at once. So going back to the definitions you gave us, Akiva, we have lies of omission, where not everything needs to be said. And I think that is generally understood. In other words, there's no need to walk up to somebody and say, Hi, this is who I am, and this is the medication I take, and this is the shidduch, and these are the problems I'm having with my spouse, and these are the problems in my family. No one's life is perfect, but there is no need to go around and advertise that. Um, that is something that can be shared with close friends. That is something that is shared when appropriate, but it is not something that has to be shared. You don't have to share the whole story, except perhaps when it's relevant. The other is specifically the lie of commission, the, the, the specific lie that says the truth is X, but I am not going to say X. And the Gemara really talks about two categories, talks about three cases, but two categories. And the first one is that someone is allowed to lie to be humble. So if somebody says, do you know this Masechet or you know, are you are you fasting for yourself, doing a personal fast day? You're allowed to say no um, as a sign of humility. I don't know it well enough, or I'm not doing that, right? And the other one is specifically an issue of shalom bayit, and I think that's the one that's perhaps the most important from my perspective. And that is that if somebody says, oh, did I see your wife coming out of the mikvah? Or is tonight's your, your, your wife's night to go to the mikvah? The answer is... No, because I don't know what you're talking about. Because that is something that is private between husbands and wives. And for the sake of tzniut, for the sake of modesty, and, and for the sake of familial relationships, that is another thing that people are allowed to lie about. And so I think this sort of serves as the model about 
you know, people talk about, well, when should I be sharing information about my spouse? When should I not be sharing information about my spouse? And I think the answer is your spouse has to be team one, right? Your, your primary team. And that means that you share with each other and you don't share with other people about them without their permission. And I think that is where the Gemara is heading in terms of saying you need to recognize your priorities and your priority, your tzniut, your, your humility and your modesty, which to a certain extent are, are connected, really need to be first as opposed to opening it up to making everything public and, and sharing too much. One other piece that connects to that is the idea of when you see a bride. And we talk about that when you see a bride, even if she may not be the most beautiful bride you've seen, you're allowed to say, she is a beautiful bride. And they talk about, is it a lie? Is it not a lie? Or is it that on their wedding day, every bride is beautiful? Whether it be inside, outside, everyone feels beautiful. And the goal of being misameh, chatan v'kala, of, of making the bride and the groom happy, right, is you compliment them. And so you say to her, you look beautiful. And, and that compliments her and that makes her feel good. And, and she will feel, right, they, they talk a little bit about that. If you feel beautiful, you will look beautiful. And so you are helping actually make her beautiful by giving her that compliment. Did you want to talk about the ugly baby? No, and I think that's a great answer. If somebody asks you about if their baby is ugly or cute, don't tell them they have an ugly baby. You don't have to say anything. But to walk up to somebody, and, and this has happened, um, to walk up to somebody and say, oh, what's wrong with your baby? Don't do that. Right, And that's, again, Derek Heretz, which I'm sure we'll get into more of later. But part of this, I think, is also learning that you have to be careful with your words. Let's go back to that for a minute, because I think that's a really important thing. And that's where, if you look at the order of how this is presented, the first is to be extensive in interrogating your witness and getting the information. That makes sense. And the second is to be cautious with your words. And only then does it get to for them not to learn to lie. Because one must be cautious with their words. Our words matter. The language we use matters. I often will work with individuals because even in joke, even in jest, they will make self-deprecating comments. And the truth is, is that the way we speak about ourselves reflects how we view ourselves. Sometimes a joke is a joke, and that's perfectly fine, and that's not necessarily what we're discussing. But at the end of the day, there is a measure of reality that they perceive, and obviously this is a situation where when they're working with me, these are potential issues that are not small. Um, you know, I, I often will work with people who are in recovery, and I have to point out to them that they are in recovery, and we have to talk about using certain language and not other language because people are given all sorts of labels by others, and if we adopt them, if we incorporate them into how we view ourselves, then it can be extremely damaging. And so I think that the being careful with your words is incredibly important, and being thoughtful with what you say 
It's one thing to think something. It's another thing to have it come out. And I think that is something that is important for us to consider, not just in the way we speak, but also in the way that we write. I think there is, and I see this all the time with students in middle school, there is a sense of anonymity when they are posting online, whether it's an Instagram or Facebook or wherever their media of choice might be. And they feel invincible and they feel anonymous when they're posting there. And so they say things, not realizing that those things can be incredibly hurtful to somebody who is a friend or somebody who is a classmate. And I think that still happens even with adults, that sometimes they are not as thoughtful in writing or posting as they would be in person facing that individual. And part of it is that there's no tone, there's no body language when you write, so there's no way to know that that person said it in a light tone of voice and is joking. It can come across as very hurtful. And so being even at least as careful, if not more careful, with the words that we post online that exist forever. And yes, for my students who say that uh, Snapchat disappears, it doesn't really disappear. There are ways to, uh, to see it again. Uh, those things do exist. I think that brings up an excellent point, Avi. And one of the th tricks that I'm happy to share that I often use is I will reread what I'm going to send or say uh, if it's, say, a post on my Facebook page or if it's an email to someone. And certainly if I have written that when I am not in the best of spirits, I absolutely will reread it. And at times, contact someone else who I can trust will help me to decipher and say the right thing or at least get the message out. Because the other thing is, is if we're not careful with our words, then when we choose to use words for an inappropriate set of words, for an inappropriate situation, then it minimizes the value of the words that we use. You know, I had, a, I had a preceptor who said that she always says a particular type of words, particular ways, with particular meaning. And this was in reference to learning how to work with patients and how to in, uh, get a history and information out of patients. And there is significant value. And, and watching it from the sidelines and then learning how to do it, you realize that the words we choose, if you're somebody who, who swears all the time, then no one's going to think it's a big deal if you're swearing. Now, that's not to say that swearing is bad. I'm not here to, to mention about that piece. But what I will say is that if you want people to think that if you are using a swear word, that that means something of value, of significance, then use those words carefully. Spend them in appropriate times and in appropriate ways, or they won't be treated with the respect that you are expecting them to have. Uh, I believe George Carlin said it. There are no bad words, just words that are not appropriate for that time. I'm going to continue on this concept of watching your words. Um, you know, oftentimes I will challenge people when they're saying something to themselves that is not nice. 
that perhaps they shouldn't say that. So my question for, for you, for your Shabbos table is, and perhaps this is more of a silent thought than saying it out loud, unless you can think of a good example perhaps to teach the family, is what's something that you've caught yourself saying about yourself that perhaps you should be more kind and more patient with yourself? Maybe there's a nicer way to say it or more accurate way to say it. And how do you wish that you would say it instead?